0: This is Max Beverly. Welcome to On Point and CounterPoints Podcast, Episode 28. During the March 11 City Council meeting, the long-awaited, much-anticipated, at least by some, report by Malden & Jenkins, the City's new auditors, was presented to the City Council. This report was the result of a request by the City Council to have Malden & Jenkins look into 14, later expanded to 15, specific items. This request happened last July, but if you review the Malden and Jenkins engagement letter, it is very apparent that this whole thing is the brainchild of a handful of kooks in this community and their conspiracy theories that date back years. For example, back on March 27th, 2017, Terry Scott and Greg Hobbs ambushed the rest of the council by calling for a non-agenda item vote to have basically this same procedure, which was recently completed by Malden Jenkins, done at that time.
1: Uh, during that time, the last year, I've been, the year I've been here, I've had several complaints. Uh, individuals want to know how the money is being spent. So I think with the audit, and it showed folks that we are, transparency, we're doing the right thing here. that We have nothing
0: to hide at all. After Terry Scott made this nonsensical motion, this exchange took place between Don Sims and Greg Hobbs.
1: And any questions that I might have had uh, being on the audit uh, committee uh, have been answered, and I, I feel like uh, it is very well vetted uh, and, and is a, a true picture of, of what we do. Okay. That's, that, that's, that is true. The problem that I have with we, it, we've had the same auditors for over 20 years, and that's the problem that I have. So I think look letting somebody, from a neutral standpoint, look at the audit. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to audit the whole financial, all the financials, but there's certain areas that need to be looked at, and they're not going to do that.
0: Now, this motion by Terry Scott, seconded by Greg Hobbs, failed with 2 for 3-against. Neither I nor the other two council members had any inkling this motion was going to be made, but it was very clear that Terry Scott was marching to the beat of Monty Lewis's drums when he made this motion as Monty and his pack were at the meeting and were just giddy with anticipation. Now, fast forward to July of eighteen. And with the composition of the city council having changed, the Cuckoos can finally get their special audit and uncover this vast conspiracy that they've yapped about for years. So, Malden and Jenkins carries out this list of special procedures over the next seven or eight months. And what happens? Just like Monty's been saying for years, the lid is lifted on mass corruption. Theft of city funds and all kind of inside dealings and unethical behavior is uncovered at last, right? Um, no. Sorry, Monty. Not exactly. This exchange between Jay Flowers and Meredith Lipsom of Malden and Jenkins pretty much summarizes the report.
2: Would you uh, go through 14 items here, 15 items? Are there any red flags that jumped out at you at all whatsoever, anything that you would, having seen this subset of the whole, is there anything you, you would recommend that we dig deeper into because of concerns that you found?
3: Not from these, these 15 items that we looked at. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, again, there could be things just on the periphery of what we looked at that...
2: You don't because, know that. But I don't you know that. You randomly test, and exactly. that's that's the procedures. That, that's a normal course exactly. of business <coughs> when you're auditing, you randomly test, and you have, you have a process on the front end of that that helps you randomly find items to se- select. Yeah. So outside, of, in the front end, you mentioned that you didn't have signed um, minutes for all the meetings, but that wasn't part of the procedure that was agreed upon. It's not required by law. So you didn't, but you did have minutes to review. Yes. They just weren't signed minutes at that point. Correct. Okay. And as you went through the other things, um, you noted one exception on a contract that was not signed, but it wasn't needed to be signed. You noted one that was, a couple that were over, but they were, could be obviously accounted for in the normal course of business. Um, And through travel and credit card expense, all those sort of things, nothing stands out to you as being interesting beyond having completed the report and we can move on. Correct. Okay. Cool. Thank you very much.
3: welcome. Any other questions? No. I did. Okay.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So, after all these allegations, conspiracies, etc. That's it. The new auditors hired by the new council to do a special procedures audit of a list probably written in large part by Monty and his buddies, and in effect, nothing. Time after time, most of the items on this list were reported as no exceptions were noted. That's a quote, quote, no exceptions were noted, end quote, on the CPA firm's report to the city council. That's auditor speak for no problems were found. So this whole thing was a colossal waste of Thomasville's money and a huge waste of the city staff's time. Now, there were a handful of exceptions that were found, and I want to comment on a couple of those. Now, these exceptions do not point to anything remotely illegal or improper, but I do want to make a couple of clarifications. If all you ever heard about CNS and RoseNet. The city's telecoms uh, was from the discussion of fund balances with the auditor during this March 11th meeting you would probably have concerns about the city's investment in these enterprises um, this is what was said
3: so there's still at June 30 18 was an amount um, payable of nine point eight million dollars um, this interfund payable is actually the result of a negative pooled cash amount As you all probably aware, you all uh, maintain pooled cash, where it's one account, but it's basically uh, are the funds for all are the bank accounts for all of the the funds of the city, but you maintain it all in one account, um, which is is normal in most governmental environments. Um, So basically. What that situation is is that the CNS fund's portion of that one account is actually in the negative, meaning it's used, it's used cash, I guess you could say, from other funds, and therefore that's where that due to other funds um, balance comes from.
0: Then the discussion continued.
4: Um, from is a CNS fund.
3: Well, this, the, yeah, the CNS fund used money... That belong to other funds, I guess, would be a better way it's of the saying the cable it. network system, right?
4: Which belongs to SCGSA.
3: Well, it's on your books. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, it's on your books as a fund. Okay. And it's got a, a basically a liability, a due to other funds of the city, of you know, 10.3 million dollars, meaning it used 10.3 million dollars for something. You know, for operations or, or what have you, that out of that pooled cash account, that was technically not—it's cash. I'm not saying there's—I'm not saying there's anything wrong I'm with saying, yeah, the I'm use saying. of that. I'm just saying that at December 31st, 2017, <coughs> its portion of the city's entire pooled cash account was a negative $10 million.
4: And and in six months, has been reduced by almost half a million. What? How, how did where did where did that four hundred seventy three thousand dollars come from? Uh,
3: more than likely, any funds that the CNS any monies that the CNS fund took in were repaid to these other okay. funds to the tune of four hundred and seventy three thousand dollars. Okay. Have I, have I clarified that? I feel like.
4: <laughs> that, 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 mm-hmm. So I don't want to get us bogged down. If I, I'll. I'll notify the manager and he can ask more questions
0: okay. so I'm good thank you okay that sounds concerning right it sounds like the city is in the hole by 10 million dollars from the investment in the telecoms first let me explain what's being said about pooled cash the city has more than two dozen what are called funds most of these funds are associated with a department like the electric department or the water department Basically, each fund has to have its own set of books or its own set of financial records. Now, just because each fund has to have its own financial records does not mean that it has to have its own bank account. When you pay your city utility bill, all of it goes into the same account. The city doesn't take the electric part of your bill and put it into one account, the water part of your bill, put it into another account, and so on. Now, as the auditor described, CNS has a negative $10 million balance in the pooled cash reconciliation. What that means is that CNS has, over time, taken $10 million more out of the pooled cash account than it's put back into it. Again, that sounds very concerning, but it's not nearly that simple. When the decision was made approximately 20 years ago, For the city to go into the telecom business both as a potential profit center for the city but more importantly as i understand it to keep thomasville from falling behind other areas because of poor telecommunications the investment was made with both external and internal debt meaning that funds were borrowed both from banks and from other city departments mostly if not all from the electric department okay i think i'm not a hundred percent on this but I think that all of the external or bank debt had been repaid by the time I got onto the city council back in 2006. Regardless, though, the bank debt was repaid years ago. Now, when, telecoms, when the telecoms make operating profits, several different things can be done with those operating profits. One was to repay bank debt. Uh, this is how the bank debt uh, that was used to build the system was repaid. Another option is to repay internal debt, and yet another option would be to use those profits to pay for the general government functions of the city, such as police, fire, parks, etc., through what are called transfers, which I've discussed on um, previous episodes of this podcast. Now, From a financial and economic perspective, it's irrelevant which one of these decisions are made. Repay internal debt to another utility department or help pay for the general government. If internal debt was repaid to the electric department, the electric department would then just transfer a comparable amount to the general government. Um, This needs to be clear though. This decision is is not a cash event. Money is not moved from one account to another account based on this decision. Now, the telecoms have been very profitable for years. For several reasons, the city has directed more of the operating profits of the telecoms to directly funding the general government through transfers instead of retiring or repaying internal debt to other uh, utility funds. The biggest of these reasons, at least from my perspective, was the optics of having telecoms contributing directly to the general government because of attacks on municipally owned telecoms by the likes of Comcast and at and I testified before several state senate and state house committees in an effort to keep these companies, when it's, which had spent thousands of dollars on campaign contributions to house and senate members, from getting bills passed that would eliminate or cripple municipally owned telecoms. And and, and being able to testify that profits from Thomasville's telecoms transferred to the general government made it possible to eliminate property taxes for Thomasville's government was, was very powerful. I don't have the budgets for the past few years at my fingertips, but based on my recollection, and it would be easy to fact check me on this, uh, transfers from the telecoms to the general government ha- have have been around $2 million or more for years. These transfers easily exceed, by multiples, the aggregate amount of internal debt from the telecoms to the electric department. So, when you hear that Thomasville has lost $10 million on the telecoms, or some version of that, the person that is telling you this absolutely does not know what they are talking about. But as this whole special, special procedures audit proves, conspiracy theories and, and the nuts behind them don't need facts. Let's be clear about this. The telecoms have been a fantastic investment for Thomasville for a variety of reasons, including financially. They have more than paid for themselves. Okay, another item. Uh, that was brought up in the Malden and Jenkins report was the lack of council meeting minutes with the mayor's signature. This is something that our illustrious mayor has been carrying on about for quite a while. For example, in discussing this special procedures audit on September 19th of last year, Greg Hobbs said this.
1: I need to point this out too. The other thing that's difficult about this situation is that they don't have the minutes, signed minutes to match up with any contracts. So it really ain't going to make much difference to be honest with you. Minutes from council meetings. Yes. From March of 17 to now, you're going to have signed minutes. Prior to that, there aren't any so, they got them on a, got them on a drive, mm-hmm. but not a hard copy that's been signed. So, we, I guess we need to stick to the ones that sign, I guess, because otherwise
4: it's... Yeah. So, I'm going to ask, so if the minutes aren't signed, then they really don't but, mean anything? You well, know that's I mean? a it's just that it's going to be hard to know what was approved. Okay.
1: Okay. Orders. Okay. Or okay. it could just be did you. he get signed. Why did not he get okay. signed? Okay. I don't
4: have a clue. I'm just trying to understand.
0: He must have really thought he had an issue to run with because he said this five days later.
1: You know, and I think we're gonna we're gonna run into another problem when she do pull those contracts because, as I said before, the Sanders, you get a chance. Would you check that out for us? If, if, if minutes were not signed, what are we going to do? Even if if these contracts were approved, but you don't have them signed off
0: on the minutes as to being approved, at that point, what are we going to do? Now, Greg Hobbs must think there's something magical about his signature. I was mayor for four years, and I never once ever signed meeting minutes. To my knowledge, none of my predecessors ever did either. Having the mayor sign minutes is absolutely not something that's required by the city charter, state law, or anything else. And, and furthermore, I think it's totally inappropriate for the mayor and the mayor only to be signing these minutes. And, and had I known this was happening while I was still on the, the council, I would have insisted that all the whole council signed them, uh, signed the minutes if anybody was going to sign them at all. These are not the mayor's minutes. They are the council's minutes. And the mayor has no more or less say about how those minutes read and no more or no less responsibility for those minutes than any other council member. Okay, this goes back to allegations that Greg Hobbs made that the staff somehow changed the meeting minutes, and particularly with regard to his Dewey City triplex, which, incidentally, he's being sued over. Then enter the conspiracy theorists. If those sneaky staff would change those minutes, they'd change other ones. So the contracts that the council approved per the minutes, well, maybe the council really didn't approve them, or, or, or maybe... Somebody snuck in and changed the minutes and upped the amounts being paid um, from what the council had approved. Yeah, and, and, and that's right. I bet those sneaky scoundrels are stealing. Folks, this is comical. It would be virtually impossible for the staff, or anyone else for that matter, to slip alterations of meeting minutes by the council in a way which would not be easily detectable. Here's why. At least during my time on the council, the council members received by email and hard paper copy a draft of each meeting's minutes soon after the meeting, sometimes the night of the meeting. Occasionally, but very rarely, some modification was required after review by the city staff, by the city attorney, and by council members. Then, prior to the next meeting, Council members received a package, uh, again, uh, by email and by paper hard copy, which contained the agenda, the last meeting's draft minutes, and other material relevant to the council meeting. At that next meeting, the council would then vote to approve the minutes contained in that packet, and the minutes would become official. Now, let's say somebody wanted to change those minutes and, and did so that these new official minutes read differently from the ones that were approved by the city council. It would take about two seconds for any council member to compare the paper version of the minutes given given them shortly after the meeting, or the packet given to them prior to the next meeting with these faked official minutes, and the fraud would be exposed. And even if council members didn't retain the paper copies, which I never did, um, there are the electronic copies, which are even better, because these files have time and date stamps. These would have been recorded on the hard drives of, in in my case, up to four devices when I was on the council. And again, in my case, uh, they would have been backed up frequently, frequently or stored on the cloud. It would literally be impossible for someone to change the official minutes without the council's knowledge and snatch back all the paper and digital copies of those minutes necessary to conceal their actions. I can, I can guarantee you that I can today, right now, if given a copy of any meeting minutes during my 12 years on the city council, tell you whether or not these are exactly the meeting minutes which were voted on by the council. And I could do this very quickly. And every other council member I served with at least was get, has been given the materials necessary to do this exact same thing. Okay, so back to the March 11th presentation by the auditors.
3: So the first procedure, which um, is on the on page one, the, the page that um, has our logo at the top uh, was requesting original signed minutes of all the meetings of the city council from uh, 2015 through 2017 <clears throat> just to verify whether those minutes were um, approved with the original signature of the mayor um, the city staff were not able to provide the original minutes uh, original sign minutes for meetings that were held um, for 2015 2016 and through March 26th of 2017 they were They were unable to locate those original signed minutes. Um, They did have uh, copies of minutes, however. But we were able to inspect original minutes of the meetings held from March 27th uh, through uh, December 2017, noting approval um, uh, with the mayor's signature.
4: Then there was this discussion. Can I ask a question sure. at this point? Sure. Okay. Sure. If when, when you say these contracts, January first, two thousand fifteen, through December thirty first, two thousand seventeen, that the contracts were pr- approved by the city council and signed by the mayor. Going back to number one, if if we don't have original signed minutes, and I'm how, how do you verify that?
3: They were approved. That
4: they were approved I, because I'm assuming. Signed minutes would verify that they were in fact approved by a vote of the council. We were,
3: we were using the copies of the minutes copies. that we had, not, a, okay. not the signed. Okay. Right.
2: It was not the it, council, and, you know, because I was kind of, I'm also like Meredith, a little bit of an independent here looking back at it. It wasn't necessarily a practice of the council at that time to have the mayor sign the minutes, they just needed to be approved. And from my and Meredith's review, all of the minutes were approved by the city council. Which, in effect, makes them okay. They don't have to be signed by the mayor, but we have that practice now, and so we're we're following along with that.
4: So during that period of time in number one, you you found minutes, just not signed minutes.
3: Correct, correct. Okay. Yeah, there were no, there was no city council minute for which we were a city council meeting for which we were not able to see actual minutes. Okay, they just weren't the signed copies.
0: Now. These clowns have been told by the city attorney that there was no requirement then or now for these minutes to be signed by the mayor. But, but Huffstetler said, quote, signed minutes would verify that they were in fact approved by a vote of the council, end quote. It seems to have slipped his mind that the mayor has six criminal indictments based on denying that he signed something. What in the world would Greg Hobbs' signature verify? But again, the conspiracy sounds better when they say the staff couldn't even produce signed copies of the minutes. Uh, Until March of last year, I'm not sure any Thomasville City Council minutes had ever been signed. Okay, I thought Alan Carson, the new city manager, had been doing a pretty good job of of reining in some of the ludicrous comments that council members had been making. But I, I guess something slipped through uh, at the last meeting, because at the end of the last meeting, um, David Huffstetler said this.
1: Mr. Huffstetler.
0: Uh,
4: last week, I attended the mandatory training for newly elected officials. That was enacted in 1990. I missed it last year, but it turned out to be a blessing in disguise. I've been there with the city of Thomasville now for a little over a year, about 14 months, and so I had the advantage of the other people who had only been there two or three months that that when they were training us on legal downtown development authority, economic development, number one, I knew what we had. We had Lynn Williams and April Norton, human resources. I don't have a clue, but we got Kay Thomas to take care of that. Economic development, we got Shelly Zorn, the PDA, and so, Part of the good news was I didn't have to pay quite as close attention as I would have otherwise. and it really, when I go off to these things like this with other cities, it's just, again, how lucky we are, the assets, resources staff that we have, it really makes you proud. and they get very, very jealous when I tell them about all the assets, resources staff that we have. So good job for everybody..
0: That is just incredible. I guess he's congratulating himself for missing the required training last year and attending this year? He called it a blessing in disguise? Well, if that's true, it is very well disguised. I mean, last year was just so successful for the council, and and this training just wasn't needed. I mean, last year only generated four lawsuits, two of which named David Huffstetler as a defendant. Then, to have the gall to say that because of his vast experience, he didn't have to pay attention during the training sessions. Folks, that's worth hearing
4: again. I didn't have to pay quite as close attention as I would have
0: otherwise. Okay, as a general rule, and and, and y'all take this advice for what it's worth. I'd strongly recommend that if you get sent off to training on somebody else's nickel, be it city of Thomasville funds, your employer's funds, whatever, don't come back and fess up to the folks who paid to send you off that you didn't pay attention. I mean, really, just don't say that. The real laugher here is that if Huffstetler wasn't in this class, the instructors would probably have been using Thomasville Huffstetler, Greg Hobbs and Terry Scott in particular as examples of how to screw up in about as many ways pos- as possible. Ignore open meetings and open records laws and this can happen to you just like the folks in Thomasville. Violate your charter and this can happen to you just like these folks in Thomasville and own and own and own a year resulting in four civil lawsuits and a six-count criminal indictment is pretty strong case study material. Maybe he should have paid a little bit more attention. Thank you so much for listening. I will be back soon.